Are you looking to live the abundant life no matter what your income is? You're in the right place. This is the podcast that will teach and inspire you to live better. Whether you want to earn more, save more, or improve your relationship with money or people, it's time for the 90 Days to Abundance podcast, brought to you by SavingsAngel.com. Here's your host, the Chief Executive Angel of SavingsAngel.com, Josh Elledge. Thank you so much, Cece, and thank you for checking out 90 Days to Abundance. This show is published three times a week, and I share lots of great deals. I share lots of great tips and insight so that you can live a more abundant life. And on today's show, we're going to be talking with Deacon Hayes from WellKeptWallet.com. Now, Deacon has achieved some fame and notoriety and uh, has actually appeared on uh, Fox News and a number of other media outlets for paying off $52,000 in debt in just 18 months with he and his wife. And uh, Deacon is now a podcast host, he's a financial coach, and he is the owner of WellKeptWallet.com. And on today's program, we're going to be talking to Deacon. And so without further ado, let's get to my discussion with Deacon Hayes of WellKeptWallet.com. And so Deacon, thank you so much for joining us on the 90 Days to Abundance program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. Well, cool. Well, Deacon, uh, I appreciate the work that you've done, and, and I've had the opportunity to listen to a few of your podcasts. I've read your blog, and uh, you know, I, I, there's, I, I think there's just a mutual respect uh, for those of us who are kind of in the, you know, the financial blogging world, and the, um, you know, those who have a heart for serving other people, and and we've seen the pain and and i think a lot of us you know come and we have a backstory uh in financial stress or you know maybe mistakes that we've made and we want to help other people uh make uh kind of get through their uh you know their difficulties um, much easier and so you know podcasting is a great way of reaching so many audiences you know blog writing is is such a great way uh but can you kind of tell us deacon your backstory and how you came to be uh the the podcast superstar that you are today (laughs) <laughs> well, first off, I don't know if I'm a podcast superstar, but I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, when my wife and I got married, uh, we had racked up quite a bit of debt, about $52,000 in debt. And this is outside of mortgages. Um, and to us, that was just a huge mountain to climb, just mm-hmm. thinking, how are we ever going to pay that off? And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that once we combined our finances and we saw, you know, all of our money in one place, realized, Wow, we could actually do something if we worked at it, you know, and really um, cut back on a lot of things, try to figure out ways to make some extra income. Um, because as you know, as being a savings expert, um, it's all about cash flow, you know, and uh, there's two things we can do, increase our income, decrease our expenses. And, and the more we were able to do that, the faster we were able to pay off our debt. And uh, so we were privileged to actually pay it off in 18 months. And because of that, had a lot of opportunities to do some media uh, exposure, fly out to New York City, be on Fox News, um, had an article written about us in a few different major publications, U.S. News and World Report, MSN Money. And um, so it's just been a really cool journey. But through that, I just realized, like you said earlier, uh, I love this stuff. If I could help other people accomplish what I accomplished, how cool would that be? And so that's what kind of set me off on the journey uh, that I'm at today with my podcast and my blog. And uh, I just absolutely love it. 
So Deacon, so the way that you, let me guess, so the way that you paid off your $52,000 debt was that you sold the second car that was worth $52,000, right? Close, close. It was worth, it was worth about uh, 18,000. I think uh-huh. I sold it. I sold it for $1,000 less, but no, I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice. There was a lot of other debt, credit card debt, student loan debt, as well as the car that were involved in that. And I was being and just a just a bit facetious. Uh, no, looking, I know. looking for you know, it's like the um, it, it's like when you see the uh, weight loss stories, and uh, you know, I lost uh, twenty four pounds in three weeks, uh, and and it turns out that you know she had just overcome her, you know, she had just got done with a pregnancy. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. No, not so nothing like that. Then there was actual some actual work that went into this process, and so Deacon, what was it that inspired you? Uh, to take this action? You know, I, I would say getting married, you know, you know, you, you live by yourself for, you know, most of your life or adult life. And, um, you know, you kind of don't answer to anybody, right? You just do what you want to do. And, um, and then I got married to my wife, Kim, and, um, you know, we started, we started saying, okay, what do we, what are some goals that we want to accomplish? We want to travel. We want to be able to give more. We want to be able to, I wanted to be able to start a business, um, not have to work a nine to five. And, um, you know, so we started to have these dreams and goals and, well, if we're going to do that, you know, this debt is really weighing us down. So we, we've got to, we've got to attack it and, uh, put ourselves in a better financial position. And so I think that process of getting married and, and talking through what our goals and dreams are was really kind of the catalyst to, to get us moving in the right direction. So who came into the partnership with the debt? Both of you? Both of us did. Um, I actually had the majority of the debt because I had literally just financed the car before we got married. Mm. Um, and the funny thing is, is I worked for, uh, it was a luxury wood flooring company. And so we sold um, wood floors that were, you know, like antique rustic floors to one in $50 million homes. Um, and so my boss was like, you can't be driving around in a beater. Like you have to have a presentable car. And so that was kind of my justification <laughs> of like, okay, I'm going to go get a car payment then, you know? Yeah. Twist my arm, boss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do you think now looking back, uh, do you think that you or your wife were just being irresponsible or is this the kind of thing that can happen to normal, regular people? Oh, you know what? I mean, I think there's a mix, but I would say it's definitely... Uh, I think it's a common thought process, right? I think people uh, commonly think that, okay, if I want a car, I have to finance it because I can't pay cash for one. Or if, uh, you know, if I want to go on vacation, I'll just put it on the credit card and I'll pay it off when I get back. You know, I think that there's just very small, uh, you know, ways that people view things that kind of compound over time that all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, I've accumulated all of this debt. And, uh, I don't, it didn't happen overnight, but these little decisions over and over again just compound on each other. Mm. So these emotions of immediacy and I gotta have it now. And, uh, oh my gosh, uh, you know, a vacation, uh, to Mexico sounds so great right now. By golly, let's just do it. Where do you think all of this comes from? You know, I, I think it's part of it, you know, at least in America is uh, our culture, you know, and we have a very marketed culture of 
um, you know, you deserve it. You uh, you can afford it if you have, you know, the money to pay the payments. Um, I think there's just a lot of uh, that marketing and, and culture that go behind it. Um, and then just as humans, our desire to to have stuff and to do things and and to feel significant, um, you know, through being able to to have things and do things. And um, you know, for us, we had to kind of peel all those layers back and say. Well, really, at the end of the day, we can't take our stuff with us. Um, and, you know, what's really important to us is, is friends, family, relationships. Um, you know, stuff is cool, but really it's not, it's not cool enough to be stressed out all the time. So, um, you know, we, we had to start peeling back those things like the new car and nice things, you know, for a time so that we could accomplish our goal. Okay. So specifically, what were some things that you were doing, uh, that put you in a better financial position in that 18 months? And, uh, also, you know, within that, what were the most painful sacrifices that you made and, in the long term, you know, were they ultimately painful? That's a really good question. So, I mean, the first thing, which was the big thing that I think a lot of people uh, are reluctant to do, because um, I do a lot of financial coaching and stuff, is um, th selling the new car, right? I mean, if 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 you have this car and you're like, well, it's reliable and you know, it it looks nice and I don't have to worry about it and yada yada yada, you have excuse after excuse. And the reality is, is it was a three hundred and sixty something dollars a month car payment uh, with extra insurance, um, you know, and it was just one thing that if I could get rid of that, we had about an extra five hundred bucks a month we could put towards our debt. So it just became part of the financial equation of, OK, if I can get rid of this and buy a very cheap car, um, that's what we did. So my so, wife actually, she so had a Deacon, car. So Deacon, now this car. Now, what I'm hearing you saying is that you actually, did you sell the car at a loss? I did. Yeah, I sold it for about $1,000 less than, you know, the Kelly Blue Book of it. Well, and then did you actually lose money on the balance of it? Uh, because because it was a newer car. And so I th so the oh, yeah. reason I'm asking this is because I think sometimes we can kind of feel trapped. Uh, you know, let's say if we're upside down in a home, if we're upside down in a car and we think, well, there's just no way out of it and we're stuck. Yeah. So, I mean, we were upside down, uh, you know, but it was only thankfully it was only about a thousand bucks. Um, but you know, even for people like that, I was just coaching a lady. She, they had $1,100 a month in car payments and, and, and they were 11 months behind on their mortgage. And so I'm like, so you're current on the car payments, but behind on the mortgage, like you're completely reversing this, you know? Um, and so the reality is, it's like, if you want to live in your car, then great. But if you don't, then you're gonna have to get rid of them and figure out a way to do it, you know? And so, um, really, uh, even if you're upside down, you just got to figure out a way. There's always a way. Um, even if you got to take out a small loan to, you know, for a few thousand dollars for the difference, uh, you know, a payment on a $3,000 loan is a lot less than, uh, you know, $18,000 loan. So, um, it just freed up cash flow so that we could put it to use and really make some progress, you know, with our goal. $1,100 in car payments, but yet not making the mortgage. Do you, do you think there's something mythical about car payments that, or, 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 or our cars that, uh, well, we just can't part with the car because it, you know, selling it is going to be a financial, a bad financial decision in itself. Yeah, I think a lot of people think like that. And I think we thought about that for a little while. But at the end of the day, it, that's why if you put everything down on paper and you say, okay, this is really our goal. Our goal is to do X, Y, and Z. It's to travel. It's to be debt free. It's to fund kids college, whatever. Um, well, if that's really your goal 
and your goal isn't to have a new car, the new car becomes a variable in that goal. Okay, well, if I can get rid of that and come up with an extra $3,000 to pay off the difference, we no longer have to pay 500 bucks a month, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever that is. Um, now it's not really about the car. It's about the goal, you know, so it's kind of shifting. What is, what's your priority? Is it the car or is it, is it traveling? You know, uh, once you, you have that conviction, it's easy to make that decision. Um, even if you're going to make a loss, because you know what, I don't care if I lose money, if I'm able to go to Singapore and Hong Kong and Europe, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, so now you're talking about, you know, doing things like going to Singapore and Hong Kong. Is that being fiscally responsible to do things like that? Or I don't know, Deacon, it sounds like you're being rather luxurious. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is, I mean, we cut back on on other things that people probably spend a lot of money on, right? Like we pay, um, you know, for Netflix instead of $150 a month for cable, right? Um, so there's, there's ways that we save money on entertainment so that we can do other things things that we really find enjoyable and fun um, and you know one of the things that when I was growing up you know a uh, single mother she was on welfare had two jobs like I, I never really imagined you know traveling overseas to me that was a pipe dream you know and then once I realized you know I went on my first trip and I was like holy cow this is possible it's just you know you got to set a goal put some money aside if, you know if I wanted to go somewhere and it cost me a thousand bucks I put a hundred month uh, bucks aside a month for 10 months and I'm there, you know, it's, it's not as hard as people think. And, um, you know, if you budget for it and it's important to you, uh, why not go for it? Mm. So specifically, let's, let's talk about that money that you were paying back uh, again. Um, give me some more specifics of what you did, uh, to get out of that. And I, and I don't think I, I let you get to the point where you're talking about some of the most difficult choices that you had to make, or maybe the car was the most difficult one. I'd say the car was because there's a lot of components to it. Um, you know, so once again, going to the variables that we had to work with, my wife had a car that was worth $5,000 and it was paid for. Um, and then I had this car that was upside down. So I thought, okay, well, what if we could sell her car and with the proceeds buy two cars, right? So each car around 2,500 bucks was our budget. Um, and we were able to do that. And then, you know, I sold some stuff on eBay to be able to come up with the difference for, uh, the car that was upside down. And now we went from having a, you know, $360 a month car payment to not having one. And we had two cars that worked just fine, you know? Mm -hmm. So was that your single guy comic book collection? <laughs> no, actually, well, it's funny though. I actually did have some like amazing Spider-Man. And the, <laughs> the funny thing is, is I never read any comics. I would buy them on eBay and just sit on them and then resell them later. <laughs> uh, uh, but I don't think that that was part of it. I, you know, if, if you look through your closets, it's amazing what you'll find, like an old iPod that, you know, still worth 50 bucks, um, textbooks from college that, believe mm. it or not, you could sell for 60 or 70 bucks on Amazon. I mean, there was just so much stuff that, you know, if, if you look through and you say, hey, I don't need this anymore. I haven't used it in years. I don't see myself using it. Um, you know, that was one of the things we did in the process was just get rid of stuff that we didn't use. Um, and I, I think it wasn't really hard in the sense of like, once you, once I made that mental decision that stuff was not important, it wasn't mm. the end result for me. It was easy to part with it, you know, but it's till I, till I got to that point, um, you know, it definitely was difficult to make that decision. Mm. Tell me more about that. And I, I like what you were alluding to here. Tell me, tell me more about, so if you don't value your stuff, I mean, what is your stuff to you? Well, it's just, uh, 
really I'm an efficient guy. I love efficiency. So most of the stuff that I spend my money on is like technology, right? Something that makes my life more uh, efficient and not, I don't have to waste a lot of time to do different things. Um, so really it's, it's almost like a tool to help me have better relationships, right? So I invest in a, this nice microphone and this pop filter so that I can have a great conversation with you on Skype and, and, and do a podcast. Um, you know, and that's where I invest, you know, my money now. And instead of just, um, you know, other type of stuff, like, uh, I used to get designer clothes. Now I go to, to Kohl's. I guess they have some designer brands there, but, um, you know, I, I find other ways to, to find satisfaction than just in, in stuff. Yeah. Hey, man, Cole's brand, that's designer to me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, now, let me tell you this. This is amazing. So my wife and I, uh, we went to Cole's the other day and bought a shirt, a memory foam pillow, and three shirts for her for 44 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, my, my wife, when, she, when we got married, she likes anthropology. You and you couldn't go in that store and find one shirt for forty four dollars. Yeah, and and so it was like a complete mind shift for her. She's like, "Oh my gosh, you could buy so much more for a lot less." Um, so even it, it and it's nice stuff, you know. So uh, I'm with you. Yeah, they got really nice stuff, um, but it's it's a good price. Anthropology. So I'm going to assume that that's a, a high end fashion forward store. See, it's nice being someone like me. I wouldn't call myself necessarily fashion forward, and I don't think I'm fashion backward. I'm kind of fashion neutral. <laughs> so so generally, I work out okay on on a mediocre clothing budget. Yeah, I saw a couple of your videos. You you, you look pretty good with the the clothes you had on. All Coles, baby. It's all Coles. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and so, okay, so so someone listening to us, Deacon, let's say that they're, they, you know, they're they're like, yeah, you know, if we start adding up everything, you know, we've got twenty something thousand dollars in debt. We're still paying off Christmas. You know, we've got some student loans. What are the first things that they really need to do um, in order to? get on a path that's going to mean progress for them. Yeah, the first thing is is to track their expenses, right? And so, um, you know, I have what's called a financial game plan form that we use to to put everything on one piece of paper that track not only tracked our expenses but also kind of listed our debts and our assets. So it was like one one place we could go to each month and say, "Hey, these are the variables that we have to work with." And then it was a matter of just massaging the numbers, right? If if we needed to come up with an extra hundred bucks, then it means we need to reduce groceries by fifty, reduce eating out by twenty, cancel you know a gym membership, and there's a hundred bucks, you know, and so. Uh, that that was the first key component. Uh, the next component would be to uh, list their debts uh, in a way that they can pay it off quickly. And so I use the debt snowball method, which is uh, made famous by Dave Ramsey. Um, I love it because it's about behavior, right? And mm -hmm. it's the idea that you know, if you, you pay off the smallest debt first and then work your way down to the largest, regardless of the interest rate, it's more about just creating a habit of paying off debt and, and getting rid of it and seeing those little wins and being able to move forward. So I'd say those are the two big things is, you know, a lot of people don't know how much debt they have. So they got to, you got to list it out and do it smallest to largest. And then the other is, you know, tracking your expenses and, and, and making sure that you're, you're working with them to, uh, to reduce them to achieve your goal. All right. So I'm, almost convinced that there's someone listening to us right now that's saying, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I know all that stuff in my head. Uh, how do you connect with them emotionally? Or maybe this is just something that they need to do from within. Maybe they've only been making mediocre pro um, progress on retiring their debt. 
How do you get them to take this serious? You know, uh, the the thing that they that they got to grasp is the why behind what they're doing. They need to know why they're doing it. If if you don't know why, then you're not going to be motivated to to change anything or to make progress. So you got to just really deep down. What are what are the goals that you want in life? Do you want to start a business? Well, if that's the case, you're going to have to come up with a lot of money in the bank, uh, you know, a large emergency fund. You're going to have to pay off your debt. You're going to have to put yourself in a better financial position. And so that's going to be the why, because you want to start a, your dream business, right? Uh, if you want to put your kids through college and, and you think college education is really important, well, then you really got to believe that and say, okay, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice eating out really fancy dinners so that I can put my kids through college. And that's the why behind it. So I think if someone's listening to this and they, they're saying, I want to do this, but I, I haven't been able to make the progress I want. Well, then sit down with your spouse and, and write out your goals. What, why, why do you want to get out of debt? Um, and, and once you get that, uh, then, you know, there's no stopping you. Is there any technology that you like that you think is very, very helpful in uh, that someone can kind of use to manage this a little bit better? So it's funny. The, I mean, when we started, we used an Excel spreadsheet and uh, I still use the Excel spreadsheet, but uh, we since then have, have come across mint.com, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And uh, we love it. And the reason being is it basically categorizes all of our expenses for us. Um, and then I just take that number and I plug it in, into my own spreadsheet. Um, but just so I can view it the way that I want to view it and kind of track it the way I want to track it. But mint.com is great because it has an app on the phone that both you and your spouse could look at and you know where you are on groceries. It will say, you know, you've got $50 left for the month. Um, so it's a very cool uh, piece of technology that I, I think is super helpful uh, when you're trying to track your expenses. You know, I wonder, though, if people are listening to this, they have a built in apprehension to this because it sounds like, Deacon, you're just telling me I'm going to have to do a budget. I hate budgets. Budgets. Budgets are like being on a diet. It's restrictive. How do you answer that? Well, I actually look at a budget as liberating because when I put everything on paper and I know where my money's going, I have peace of mind, right? I, I have the money to pay my bills. I have my money that, you know, my wife and I are going to Paris and, and to London this summer. We have the money to do that. We paid cash for it. Um, you know, and so for me, a budget is, is giving me the ability to do the things I want to do in life, not restricting me from being able to do the things I want in life. And, you know, I think it takes doing it for a, at least a few times to where you actually get that. Uh, and so that for me, it's more of a liberating thing than it is a, a restrictive thing. Man, so you're talking about going to Paris and England, but it doesn't that just seems like stuff that other people get to do, but not regular average people. See, regular average people are paying off Christmas. Regular average people are paying off their car. How do I get to there if you know if if I'm just kind of ingrained with this philosophy that. I just need to, you know, buy the things that I immediately want now. I'm just trying to help someone make that connection that if they want to travel internationally, even if they're making, you know, their, their middle income, I mean, can someone really, really, really travel, do things like travel internationally? How do, how do we get that person, uh, you know, how, how do you get someone to believe that, that they can make that happen? Well, really, it's all about math. So I, I interviewed this cool guy, Adam Shepard. He traveled the world for a year on $20,000. And when I say like traveled, I mean like he paid for food and lodging and 
planes and and uh you know really it's a mathematical equation um you know if you've got and, and this is one of the things like i still drive a used car i paid thirty seven hundred dollars for an infinity g20 um and because i don't have a new car uh, because I have a used car, I have the money to be able to, to pay for this trip. And so to make it very simple for someone listening, uh, if you have a $300 a month car payment, if you got rid of that car payment and you put 300 bucks into your checking account for two years, you would have over $6,000. Do you think you could go to Europe with your spouse for $6,000? Absolutely. That's what my wife and I are doing. Um, so really, it's looking at the variables in your, your budget, in your equation and saying, hey, what can I get rid of to actually do that which I want to do, you know, that that which I think is important to me. Um, and, and so that, that that's a key. Yeah. So, Deacon, I think you're blowing my mind and blowing some people's minds who who hear the fact that you're driving a thirty five hundred dollar car, but yet you're taking a European vacation. This doesn't seem normal. <laughs> it's not normal. But you know what? I don't really care. Like I talked about stuff. It's like, what do I care if I drive a brand new Infinity, but I can't go to Europe like it's it's that to me is backwards. It's I would rather have a beater car that just gets me from where I am to where I need to be and be able to do exciting, cool things that I wouldn't otherwise be able to do because I'm driving around my Europe trip. You know, I don't want to drive around my Europe trip. I want to go to Europe, you know. <laughs> so when you work with uh, clients, what mistakes do you see repeated over and over again? You know, I think people kind of like we talked about a little bit earlier, just they they buy into the lies that debt is the solution to have what they want. And and so whatever it is, it's either car payments, it's student loans, it's credit cards, and it just compounds over time. You know, I have one lady that I'm working with, she has $380,000 in student loan debt. You know, I, I have... This, this other couple that I was telling you about that had $1,100 in car payments, you know, uh, another uh, couple that I was working with, $90,000 in credit card debt. It's just like people, they view that if they want something, they got to use debt to get it. And that's a fallacy. The reality is, is there are several other ways that you can do it, right? You can trade services, you can pay cash for things. Um, you know, there's many other ways. Um, another thing, adoption. Um, there's, there's cool websites where you can actually do a fundraiser for your adoption. And I've had two friends do it and they raise like eight to 15 grand through their friends and family saying, Hey, we want to adopt a kid. We don't have the money to do it. Wow. Uh, so they fundraise. So just look for other alternatives to debt, uh, to be able to fund things in life. And it be, you'll be amazed at how much more you'll be able to do and how much more you'll be able to accomplish. Wow. So, uh, so I look at something like going to, uh, Europe. And that inspires me. And, uh, you know, I guess so, you know, how I, I you know, someone who's got, you know, $40,000 in debt. I mean, when do you think that and, and let's say they make decent money, um, they make okay money, uh, but they're just, you know, they're, they're having trouble kind of keeping up because of that debt. How quickly could they see themselves going from debt that much debt, uh, like what you had, to turning it around and eventually being able to take a vacation that they've always just dreamed of. Does is that not going to happen until they're old and gray? Well, I mean, it it feels like that. I I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, it felt like that for us. But here, if I was to give you a timeline, you know, and when we paid off our debt in eighteen months, I'd say it was within two years that we went on this first trip internationally together to Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, so you know, within 
from having $52,000 in debt to paying it off and to actually being in Singapore, um, you know, it was three and a half years. Um, so it wasn't a long period of time. Like it was just, hey, once we had the cash flow from all of these debt payments that we were making, the car payment, the credit cards, the student loans, once we didn't have those payments anymore, we were able to take that money and put it into a savings account and have cash to pay for things. So uh, literally, you know, it could be three to five years if people really uh, work at it and 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 give it all they got. Wow. So can young couples and young families take these kind of vacations and, and enjoy some of these luxuries? They can. You know, I actually have I have some friends that, that have done similar things. I've got one friend uh, who will remain nameless because he has not wanting to share his story yet. But he's 31 years old, has two kids um, and is completely debt free house and everything. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when you put your your mind is something and you believe it to be true and you say, you know what, I'm just going to figure this out. It's amazing what you can accomplish, even if you're a young family. Um, and so it's just one of those things is you got to believe it. Belief is very powerful. Sure. So do you get involved in the uh, investment side of people and their and then their money? I, you know, I do a little bit, but not, I don't talk about specific securities. I used to be a financial planner. And for me, I'm much more cash flow oriented than I am investment side. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, if, if people have questions, I definitely talk about it. Like what is diversification and understanding, um, you know, what kind of return people need to get to be able to get to where they want to be and those types of things. So if you're sitting down with someone and you start talking about that and their eyes glaze over, I mean, you're not going to, so, so I guess what you're saying is it, it's not something that you necessarily force down someone's throat. I mean, if they're saying, you know, gosh, you know, that sounds great to save for retirement and I know I really should, but man, I'd really love to have this experience while I'm young. That's okay. Well, no, I mean, I think that investing is part of the strategy, right? I mean, I'm sure that, um, you know, your goals are not limited to traveling. Your, your goals are probably also you want to retire and have a decent nest egg that, you know, you're not going to be living off of Social Security and, and living paycheck to paycheck, you know. So really just kind of having not only the short term goals, but what are those long term goals? Um, and, and you have to, I mean, investing is part of that equation. Um, but a lot of the people I deal with, I'm, I'm dealing with more of a crisis or short term problem. Um, and so that it's really focused on how do I free up cash flow so that I can, you know, pay off debt and this. But once you pay off the debt, yeah, definitely have an investment strategy in place and, um, you know, and, and make sure that you're achieving those long term goals as well. Yeah. So Deacon, uh, obviously you're in business for yourself. What led you down that path and why? Well, the interesting thing is, so I worked for a financial planning uh, organization that dealt with high net worth individuals. And um, as you, you know, as our conversation has shown, I'm, I'm really not geared towards high net worth people. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I, I have nothing against them. I, I love them just the same. But uh, the reality is, is I really have a passion and a heart for the average person that doesn't have the tools and resources to be successful with money. So, um, you know, here I am working as a financial planner for people that have millions of dollars, um, but I'm not really satisfied with that, you know. And um, so I have this blog, Well-Kept Wallet, and I use that as a way to just kind of reach the people that I really wanted to reach and started to build that up, started to make money from it um, and realized, wow, I could I could actually transition from being a financial planner to just um, you know, living off of the income from my website and, and doing financial coaching. And, and so, um, you know, about a year or so uh, ago, I quit the financial planning world to uh, do this full time. 
Wow. Well, congratulations on that. Do you, do you find that your current audience is it more is it more difficult or uh, is it is it easier to work with than quote unquote high net worth individuals? <laughs> you know what? I would say it's more difficult in the sense that you know people people that are in crisis mode uh, they don't only have financial problems they have emotional problems right mm -hmm. and so because of that you're you're navigating like i don't want to hurt this person's feelings but i got to tell them some hard truth so that they understand that this is what they need to do to move forward and um you know with the high net worth individuals it's very much it, there's less of that emotional component right so um you know i'd say it's a little bit more challenging um but i enjoy it you know and i, I think that we need those people in our lives to kind of to give us those tough truth, but uh, you know, do it in a way that's respectful and professional. Um, and that's for uh, for me personally has been a huge catalyst for change. When people step into my life and say, "Hey, Deacon, I really think that you should approach this this way, or you should change this, um, and you'll do even that much better in life." And um, so I found that to be helpful in, in my life. And so I, I I really love doing that, encouraging other people in that way. Yeah. Well, God bless you for that. Um, and then uh, finally, let me ask you this, Deacon, is is uh, this concept of abundance. I, I, I have a feeling that you have a pretty good connection with that concept. And and what does abundance mean to you? Abundance, you know, I guess I would say uh, it's funny. Andy Stanley, he's a pastor of a church in, in Atlanta, and, and he has this um, this the series about um, how to be rich, you know, and, and what is rich, and um, he uses the definition more than you need, right? Mm -hmm. Being rich is having more than you need, and you know, I, I view abundance not necessarily being more than you need, but um, having having more than you would otherwise uh, by making wise choices, right, and being able to enjoy life to the fullest. Um, but a lot of it has to do with choices. So I guess uh, in a very simple way. Um, being able to have more um, by making conscious decisions that um, will help you um, to have what you want in life. Sure. And so who who is entitled to that abundance? Uh, well, I don't think anybody's entitled, but I think anybody could achieve it if they wanted to, right? Because um, I think that, I mean, the, the word entitled to me just has a connotation of like that, that you inherently deserve it. I don't know if that's the case, but I believe that uh, if people want it, they can achieve it. And so uh, it's just a ma matter of uh, going after it and, and changing your mindset. Ah, good answer. So Deacon, uh, tell me about the work that you do and, and those listening to us right now. Uh, how can you be of service to them? So yeah, I just, I took my experience and I said, hey, you know what? How could I use this to benefit others? And so I created a free class called Debt Free in 18 Months that shares our journey of, hey, this is how we got out of debt. This is how we put together a financial game plan. This is how we structured our debt. Here's how we save money. Here's how we increased our income. Um, you know, so that was the first thing, which is it's a free resource. But um, for people that are uh, that need more, they have specific situations. Um, I'll do Skype calls and and do screen sharing and and help them specifically with their situation get out of debt, um, turn around their financial situation. Um, and so, you know, whether it's Skype or over the phone, um, I'd love to help anybody who's trying to achieve a financial goal. 
Deacon, thank you so much for spending your time with me. I really appreciate it, and I absolutely feel your heart. And, and uh, you know, I just I love the work that you're doing, and I, I love that, uh, you know, that this weighs on you as well, that, that you want to be in service and help people to experience the, the joy of feeling in control of this part of their lives. And certainly, you know, when we have control of our financial lives, I think that kind of bleeds over, as you alluded to, uh, to our emotions lives and our spiritual lives and so this this concept of abundance is you know it, it can go from financial to all of these other areas and and we truly can live a, a life of joy well absolutely and I, I'm so thankful for you having me on the show Josh it's been a pleasure well thanks so much Deacon so I hope you enjoyed today's program. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for subscribing. If you're listening on Stitcher, on the Stitcher app on your phone, uh, there's a little plus sign in the upper right-hand corner. Go ahead and hit that. That'll add this program to your favorites list, and you'll make sure to get all of the latest episodes when they become available. Now, if you're listening in iTunes, make sure you subscribe as well. And also, if you would write a positive review in, in either Stitcher or iTunes, iTunes, you'll be entered to win a contest. And that contest will give you, uh, one, one person is going to be selected in the month of May to receive the full 90 Days to Abundance e-course program. It's a $200 value, and I'm going to be giving that e-course away to somebody, uh, somebody who wrote a positive review. So right now, your chances of winning are pretty good. I'm, I'm looking at, it's looking like one out of eight. So uh, if you'd like to win, all you have to do is just look where it says to uh, write a review. And if you'll do that, you'll be automatically entered. And of course, I really, really thank you for that. Uh, you know, uh, you'll hear podcast hosts uh, ask and beg uh, for reviews simply because one positive five-star review just shoots me up the um, rankings. And that's really important because that helps expose this program to a much larger audience. And I can continue to share this message of abundance and help share the love (laughs) and help other people uh, be able to move ahead financially. And so with that, make sure to also check out my website. Just go to savingsangel.com forward slash podcast. And on show number 25, there'll be a link to Deacon's website, Deacon's podcast, and where you can learn more about uh, the work that he is doing. And with that, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you have a truly abundant weekend. Enjoy your time with family and friends. And as always, live abundantly. Bye.